You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is, to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you each and every one. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Well, welcome back once again to the Now You Know Show. And what a week of just unusual and interesting and controversial things have been going on this week. We're going to have a lot to talk about this show in the pontification, and then a little later on we're going to be revisiting something we talked about before in the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, and we're going to be going into the kitchen and talking about raccoon penis bones. So the first thing I'll tell you is that tonight's show is brought to you primarily by various requests. Throughout this last week, I received a number of uh, 
emails and messages asking me to revisit certain topics that we had talked on on the show before or to specifically speak about some things that we had not yet spoke of. And we'll talk about that more as we come to each segment. But this week's show is very much brought to you by you, the listeners. And I want to thank you, each and every one, for sending in those emails and those messages. They mean so very much to me. They just brighten my week, and it's just so nice to know that people are involved and listening and taking an interest in wanting to know more or wanting to know specific things. And I will uh, do my best to school you so no one can fool you, so you can go out in the world and say, now I know. Before we go over to the newsroom, I have a little bit to talk about some ongoing uh, whale controversy this week. Uh, I think many of us are aware, or at least I would hope uh, most of us are aware, of the ongoing situation in Arkansas. And the ongoing situation there is that there is a county clerk uh, in Arkansas who has been refusing, her name is Kim Davis, and she has been refusing to issue marriage licenses, which is a part of uh, her duties as a county clerk, for gay and lesbian couples completely disregarding the fact that the highest court in the land has already passed a ruling on this. It's already been absolutely addressed and set to bed. Boom, it's done. It's the law of the land. And uh, she is, in fact, in Kentucky. I apologize that I said Arkansas. She is actually in Kentucky. There's another ongoing situation happening in Arkansas. Please forgive my uh, confusion between the two. And in general, I have been keeping my old trap shut. And the reason is because there's not much to say. I mean, honestly, it's a done deal. But a lot of hullabaloo, a lot of furor has brewed up around uh, Miss Davis, and it has to do supposedly with religious freedom. Tonight I feel that I have to take a few moments to address this. And I'll tell you why. Because as always, the question is going to be brought up. What does this have to do with hoodoo? Well, what does it have to do with hoodoo? What it has to do with hoodoo is it has something to do specifically with the Now You Know show. You know, each and every week, I come in here, and I tell you a little bit about the use of the Bible, primarily the Protestant Bible, and the scriptures, the Psalms, etc., in the use of hoodoo. And I am one of those annoying thorns amongst the roses that uh, 
insists on telling the facts, insists on saying uh, what is historically true, whether people like it or not. And there are a lot of folks who do not like the idea or the fact that Protestant Christianity has always been a part of the American experience of hoodoo. That's just a fact. Primarily in the, if not exclusively, in the African-American church. Whether it be Pentecostal, Baptist, Primitive Baptist, etc. And I'm one of those jackasses who gets up and says, hey man, here, look, historical fact. Look, you can prove it time and time again. So, when we get into this issue about religious freedom and people, just like last week, I came in here and I talked the unpleasant truths about prosperity or seed ministries, and I called that out, I have a responsibility to now make a statement about this, as well as the fact that yesterday, Ms. Davis's lawyer on a nationally syndicated radio show said this. Why doesn't she just resign? Why hasn't she? Well, here's the reason why. She's been a 27-year employee of this uh, clerk's office. She was elected by the people of Rowan County. They want her there. They put her there. If they don't want her there, then they can remove her. There have been no efforts to remove her, and frankly, if there was, she'd probably be able to win the governor's seat right now rather than just a clerk of Rowan County. She has no aspirations for that, but she's there to do a duty, a job, and uh, the job duty was changed. You know, throughout the history of the 27 years she was there, throughout the history of Kentucky, the history of America, the history of the world, no time was there ever a job duty for clerks to issue same-sex marriage licenses. There was no such thing. So two months ago, all that changed. Now, should she just simply walk away from that? Well, what's going to happen if she does? It's not just the clerk. It's every other position. Does that mean that if you're a Christian, don't apply here? If you're a Jew, you've you got to get... What happened in Nazi Germany? What happened there first? They removed the Jews from government public employment. Then they stopped uh, patronizing them in their private businesses, and then they continued to stigmatize them. Then they were the problems. Then they killed them. I mean, the fact of the matter is she has a right to this uh, employment, and you don't lose your constitutional liberties just because you're employed by the government. Matt Staver with us today from Liberty Council. That was Davis's lawyer, Matt Staber of Liberty Council, appearing on the radio show Crosstalk yesterday. Now, hold on to your damn hats, because here I go. Just as I absolutely, without question, support my African-American brothers and sisters, when they stand up 
to call out the manipulative, petty, insane rhetoric that is used against them or in their name by people supporting ridiculous things. down real quick, because I don't want to take up too much of the show, but I really want to talk about this. What we have in this country right now is an attitude of persecution that does not exist. Christians are the most persecuted group in the country. Really? Really? That's why cops are shooting Christians on the street corners. Really? That's why, it, that's why we've had so few Christian presidents. Right? Really, that's why there are so few Christians in public office, from the civil level all the way to the federal level, etc., because there's such persecution. There is no persecution of Christianity here. This woman is now being framed by certain individuals of certain political parties as the next Abraham Lincoln. They've done they have actually dared to call her a Rosa Parks. She's not a Rosa Parks. She is not a Jew living in 1937, 1938 Germany in any shape or manner because she is not a member of the oppressed class who is attempting through protest of whatever means to make a change towards liberty and justice and equality that she was promised but was not delivered to her. She already has those freedoms. The tide of history is absolutely against her. There's no question of that. Do I believe that she's ingenuous or disingenuous in her quote-unquote protest. I don't know. That's not for me to judge. I don't know the human hearts and minds of all the others of you in the world. I know mine. So I can't say if she's disingenuous. I can't say that she's just waiting for a GoFundMe and a television spot. I don't know. But what I know is this. Her lawyer says, and it changed, it changed, it just changed, 27 years, and it just changed. Never before in the country, never before in the state, never before in the world. That's right, pal. Things change. Used to be in this country that people of color and whites could not get married. That was the law. It wasn't just African Americans and whites. It included Chinese, Turks. Hispanics, it went on and on and on. And that changed. It used to be that segregation was the rule in our country, and that changed. See, the problem here is that this is getting obfuscated by a smokescreen of bullshit. You're taking away my religious freedoms. No, I'm not. No one is. What's being taken away is your ability to act in a prejudiced manner. 
is we have separation of church and state in this country. And this is part of the reason that we have so many people who come into Conjure, who come into Hoodoo, who have a bad taste in their mouth about Christianity. Because these loud voices seem to represent what is Protestant Christianity in this country. And they don't. This is not the black American church. This is not the Anabaptist church of the ancestors who practiced hoodoo and conjure or the Pentecostal, etc. Darkness, life, attempted to redefine and change what this all means. So it behooves me to then stand up here in this space and call them out. And if these people think for a heartbeat that they're being treated like Jews were treated under Nazi rule in Germany, they're out of their cotton-picking goddamned minds. His breakdown on that, first they took them out of the public sector, then they took them out of the private sector, then they started killing them is an attempt to reframe history to sell you his product. And it is part of the everlasting myth that anti-Semitism magically started in Nazi Germany and magically stopped at the end of World War II. It's bullshit. Jews had always been highly limited. The damn shame of it was that the German Jew felt that he was safe in assimilation, and it didn't save him. So, you know I was going to call that out, so I have, and thank you for bearing with me for taking up a little bit of our show talking about this. So right now we're going to go over to the LMC newsroom where our new broadcaster, uh, Chet Brink, is waiting for us. Phil Patchy Fogg is currently in Omaha. He's now moved on to Omaha investigating that toasted bread scandal about the addition of toasted bread into meat products, and we're hoping to have that report here next week. So, over to the LMC newsroom and Chet Brink. Good evening. This is Chet Brink reading the news for Thursday, September 3rd, 2015. This is the 246th day of the year. There are 20 days until autumn begins, and 119 days left in the year. Today and tomorrow are auspicious days to quit smoking, begin a diet to lose weight, and cut hair to discourage growth. Today's highlight in history comes to us from 1783, when representatives of the United States and Britain signed the Treaty of Paris, which officially ended the Revolutionary War. Also on this date, in 1189, England's King Richard I, known as the Lionhearted, was crowned in Westminster Abbey. In 1868, the Japanese city of Edo was renamed Tokyo. In 1923, 
the United States of Mexico resumed diplomatic relations. In 1939, Britain, France, Australia, and New Zealand declared war on Germany two days after the Nazi invasion of Poland. In 1951, the television soap opera Search for Tomorrow made its debut on CBS. In 1967, the original version of the television game show What's My Line, hosted by John Charles Daly, broadcasts its final episode after more than 17 years on CBS. In 1976, America's Viking II lander touched down on Mars to take the first close-up color photos of the planet's surface. Today's LMC birthday greetings go out to Beetle Bailey cartoonist Mort Walker, who is 92. Actress Anne Jackson is 90. Actress Pauline Collins, 75. Actress Valerie Perrin, 72. Rock musician Donald Brewer of Grand Funk Railroad is 67. Rock guitarist Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols is 60. Actor Charlie Sheen, 50. Singer Jennifer Page, 42. Actress Ashley Jones, 39. Actress Christine Woods, 32. Actor Garrett Hedlund, 31. Hip-hop singer August Alsina, is 23. Also, we would like to send out birthday greetings to Air member Dr. Johannes Gardmark, whose birthday will be on September 7th, and Air member Devi Spring, whose birthday will be on September 9th. The LMC Newsroom Thought of the Day comes from Pamela Kale, American movie critic, born 1919, died 2001, who said, in the arts, the critic is the only independent source of information. The rest is advertising. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, Red by Chet Brink, and we now send you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition, or even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trust in you for dust. Cause you know someday may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, thank you, the eleven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes, and you need not just put your trust in goofer dust as recommended by the nicholas brothers because we have got the lucky numbers for you here each and every week this week's 
lucky numbers come to you from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not go over there and take a look? And they are 15, 24, 27, and 39. Once again, those numbers are 5, 8, 19, 24, 27, and 39. And 39 is a particularly lucky number this week, so be on the lookout for it. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 569. That's 569. 897. That's 897. And a particularly good number this week, 919. That's 919, so be on the lookout for that one. The card of the week is the Three of Diamonds, a benefactor, help from others. Be honest, act responsibly. This week, help will come from, help will come, unlooked from, from various places. This is a good week to reach out to others and allow yourself to be helped by others as well. Honesty in all public and private matters is of great importance this week. Do not let a little white lie lead to greater harm than good. This is also a week to act in a responsible manner, both in business and in personal matters, and take all your concerns by the horns. Do what is right, and all will be right. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know Show to get the numbers and card when it first comes out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, the professor's pontification going all the way from the country to the city, perhaps with a little stop in Chicago.
Men don't wear spats anymore. I don't button a collar to my shirt. Well, okay, maybe if I had one fancy shirt. So hoodoo is always kept up. In fact, sometimes it's been right at the edge of those changes. And it has done so, certainly, in response to television, video, computers, and the Internet. And whenever you have a situation intraculturally where technology is moving forward, the life and times of people are changing, you always have a um, movement in rejection of it for a number of reasons. First of all, we unfortunately uh, have a tendency as uh, Westerners to simply use technology as is. We're ruled more by it than it's ruled by us, and it gets nuts. It goes completely out of control. You know, Listen, I'm here to tell you, I was there. I was there in the silent spring, okay, when the birds didn't sing and the insects didn't cheep and crick and hum and buzz because we had poisoned the shit out of this country. We had interrupted one of the vital links, several of the vital links in the chain of life. It was called The Silent Spring. There's an excellent book about it, in fact. You can go out and get it and read it, and I was there, pal. So sometimes we do let technology run hog wild, and that naturally creates a desire on the part of many to go back to a simpler time, or at least a more sane time when technology was more in the hands of the individual rather than the individual was in the hands of the technology. And then there is always, we've seen it even from the beginning of the Victorian age, you see it in Roman records, there's always a certain segment of the population who has a oh, knee-jerk pastoral response. They want to go back to a simpler, better pastoral time, whether it was a better time or not, and that's often the problem with it. The problem with people bemoaning that they can't go back to the earth and live in simple harmony, as it were, with it, agricultural-based technology, is that most of these people never grew up on a goddamn farm. They never worked on a ranch. They've never worked in a dairy. And they have no idea what it takes to live life. Nor are they prepared for the strains and stresses of that life or the manner in which one becomes absolutely beholden to the environment particularly the weather. Now, is that me now saying, oh, it's a terrible thing and pastoral lives and agrarian bases are awful and we should all go live in Sydney? No, I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that there are a number of positive ideas here. One of those positive ideas is that we should more harmoniously develop and use technology in line with the environment, with our own human community, etc. That's an excellent idea. 
But also in there, there are a number of very foolish people who are engaging in blue skies and bullshit about they're all just going to move out of the country and do whatever, okay? It's all going to be fine because that's a beautiful, natural way, and there's no work. And, man, it's the hardest work in the world. Does that mean that everyone who tries it is a fool? Of course not. Some of these people are absolutely dedicated, intelligent people who are ready to take on that lifestyle, and they do it. Let me give you an example. Of the communes that were formed in the 60s, I would dare say that, quote, most of them failed. But not all of them failed. There were some very powerful success stories because people were willing to make the adaptation that was needed to live that kind of life. But what has it got to do with hoodoo? Yeah, 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 kid, I know. Every week you're up in here with what has it got to do with hoodoo? I'm getting to that. Jeez, this guy, he's, he's always in here sucking on a lollipop over in the corner. and just, I don't even know why I'll let this kid in. What has it got to do with hoodoo is this. There is a tendency in the vast, and it is very vast, community that comprises the hoodoo root work conjure community to want to take a very sharp knife and cut hoodoo up into little perfect blocks and to name a, quote, golden age of hoodoo. And everyone has some soft feeling about this was a great time. Boy, I wish I could have participated. At least I could have known these people or had access to these products or this knowledge, etc. Or I could have met this particular worker. But these people go further. They are actually champions of a golden age of hoodoo. And when you get them all together in one space, they don't all agree. Certain people actually peg slavery and, quote, plantation time as the golden age of hoodoo. Others peg it as just after that, during the emancipation, but before urbanization. Others talk about the great age of the large hoodoo houses, the large hoodoo and conjure supply houses, and a very few people, who some of whom I actually enjoy, dare to say that right now might just be the golden age. You don't hear that one very much, because it doesn't fit anybody's product. And that's what this is about, fitting a product. See, when I come in and I say, the golden age of hoodoo was whatever, then that allows me to start to be the seller of the remnant of that golden age to you. And more importantly, it allows me to dismiss anyone who is not participating in that, quote, golden age. I guarantee you that if you're listening to this show for the first time, maybe you're listening later in archive, maybe you've never been to listen to a live show of mine, and you're listening to this show right now, and you're just now starting to discover hoodoo. No matter who you are, 
no matter your culture, no matter your race, and you are just now starting to become involved in hoodoo, you're going to find out that the golden age of hoodoo, oh man, if only you had been here 10 years ago, oh, you missed it, it was so great 10 years ago, you poor kid. Because it's always back then, never now. Now what does that have to do with the city and the country? What that has to do is to prepare you for where we're going. And where we're going is this place. There is an often shocking and shoddy treatment and response to quote-unquote urbanized hoodoo. Or hoodoo that flowered, proliferated, grew, and bloomed in the urban environments, not just in the relatively, relatively immediate time after emancipation, but all the way up into the 40s and 50s, and even the 60s to some extent. You see, nowadays we have a kind of a duck dynasty itch in our shorts as a culture. We want everything to be down home and genuine. Why? Well, first of all, it gives us a sensation of legitimacy. But that legitimacy is often precariously balanced on prejudice, bigotry, and racism. That's right. I said it. See... The exotic and the other. If there's some person living in a swamp, holy shit, they must know what they're talking about. They live in a swamp. Man, I had to take a fan boat to go out and even see them. You know it's got to be real. But if I can walk three blocks and see the person, or if they happen to be a friend of my grandmother, or my great aunt, or my mother, or my father, eh. Or if they're a preacher in my local church, eh, he's just a guy. She's just a woman. I didn't have to go on a fan boat. I didn't have to take some Joseph Camblian exotic hero's journey. Come on. Grow the fuck up. First of all, what you're trying to do to hoodoo in this is what I call the Beatlemania for the exotic orient. You've got to go travel to India and sit at the feet of the guru. You've got to drink a potion and turn into a crow and fly into the eye of the Great Pyramid in Mexico City. You've got to do all this bullshit. And in doing that, in exotifying hoodoo, you're taking hoodoo out of its context. You're making hoodoo something it's not. You're, in a very strange way, and forgive the term, orientalizing hoodoo. Which would actually be pretty, you know, occidentalized, don't you think? Part of what makes hoodoo jump, jive, and live and breathe is that it takes place here in America 
as a part of the American experience, both good and terribly bad. And when you need to make it the other, you're losing something out of it. When you are willing to take a broom and a dustpan and sweep under the carpet all those great workers of the past and of the recent past and of the now in Baltimore, Washington, D.C., Chicago, New York, Oakland, San Francisco, you're losing something. First of all, you're blatantly throwing your ass against the fan of history and refusing to accept what is. Hoodoo takes place here, in America. Yes, in the South. Yes, that's where it's born. Yes, it has regionalism. Yes, it originates in the Latin and the Anglo quarter. Yes, there is a soft difference between it, between the Latin and the Anglo quarters of America. Yes, there is a difference, softly, from region to region, and a difference by what the predominant form of Protestant Christianity is in any given region, from Pentecostal to missionary Baptists and everything else. Yes, there is a difference between the missionary preacher and the bush preacher. And guess what? There's a difference between Chicago and Baltimore. There's a difference between Boston and New York. There's a difference between Oakland and San Francisco, and those two sit right next to each other. But when you exotify and play up and exoticize this down-home country thing, you're losing all the other. Now, by that, am I trying to say there's no value in the country and blah, 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 and I take the opposite position? No, not at all. That's ridiculous. <clears throat> but when you trust somebody because they have an accent like that, <laughs> I'm going to come on down here, boy, I'm going to show you something. I'm hoodoo. I'm gonna show you that real hoodoo. We gonna go out there in a swamp, and I'm gonna show you how to get a snake and do that real work you don't know about. And that thrills you on the buds of your tongue. That tastes like truth to you. But if somebody else said to you, yeah, why don't you come on down here? Come over here, I'll show you how to do this hood. Or the thing about this is, this is, don't tell nobody about this. I'm going to show you how to do the real stuff, okay? I'm going to show you how to do the real stuff down here. We're going to go over here, all right? Don't let nobody see you out front of this shop, okay? Because we're going to be dropping this dust here that we made over there last night in the back of my place. So you just act real casual. Standing between me and the streets, nobody saw. I want to show you what to do with this dust. Don't nobody know what to do with this dust no more. And that doesn't. And that doesn't arouse the buds of your tongue. That does not make you go. This is true too. You're engaging in a flat bias. And I got news for you. 
It's a bias that is deeply rooted in prejudice and racism. And what you're doing is you're setting yourself up as the visitor. You're setting yourself up as the grand old colonial visitor to those primitive people who are going to tell me all of their amazing stuff. And you know, pretty soon we're all going to be out here dressing like Indians and talking like Indians and doing all the simple, beautiful things that you Indians do. Any of y'all got any peyote? If you think that the mean hardships of the swamp, and there are mean hardships in living in a goddamn swamp, it's the reason most people don't choose to live in a swamp. If you think that the mean hardships of the swamp are more dire, or more illuminating, or more informing, than the dire dangers of the mean streets of the city, I guess you've never been in a swamp or a city. You have to understand that hoodoo adapts. That's part of its strength. That's part of why everybody who constantly, by the way, all these golden age of hoodoos, Hoodooers are all ready to proclaim the death of hoodoo, too. Well, in another five years, in another five minutes, in another five months, in another five seconds, hoodoo won't exist anymore because it's just not, it's just not what it used to be. They're always selling that, too. The end of hoodoo. But hoodoo ain't ending. Hoodoo's not gonna end. Because hoodoo is adaptive. Because hoodoo keeps up. Because hoodoo survives. And as it adapts, it spreads. And it takes in. And it grows. And it lives. And it jumps. And it jives. So when you start having this bias, you're losing something. Some of the great workers of the 20th century lived, grew up, were born in, and were a part of the urban experience, wherever that may be. The other thing is, oddly, weirdly, kind of really creepily saying things like, Atlanta's not a big city. New Orleans isn't a big city. That's kind of odd. That's kind of odd. You know? You don't just cross the Mason-Dixon line and all of a sudden it's pine woods and fucking swamp, guys. Sorry. Everybody wants what's authentic. But the problem is that authenticity should never be confused with some sort of regionalism. This is the hallmark of the colonizer, of the orientalist, that if it's primitive in my mind, to my sensations, to my character, then it's authentic. And that's inexcusable. 
Are you going to sit around and try to take the position that there are no African Americans in Baltimore? And they don't practice hoodoo. They never had it. Or simply because they live on concrete, they don't understand it anymore. But everybody wants to do this. And finally, to briefly touch on this, this, by the way, children, is where we start to get some of the germination of the nasty seed of hoodoo cosplay. That's right. I said it. This attitude is part of the germination of the seed of hoodoo cosplay. Because it makes hoodoo, or more specifically, the hoodoo practitioner, into a caricature. Caricature. Now let's see. Let's put him together. Let's do it on air. Let's have a little kind of an experiment. I have faith in my radio talent to do this. So, boys and girls, let's play another thrilling game of create a hoodoo character. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to once again create a hoodoo character with your host, Aloysius Wilson. Take it away, Aloysius. Well, thank you, Bob. Hello, folks. I'm Aloysius Wilson, and today on Hoodoo Cosplay, we're going to be creating a hoodoo character. Now, the task here is that because of biases and prejudices that are profitable inside the hoodoo and conjure community, you have to put together a hoodoo character to be a front man to sell your products rather than merely standing on the integrity of yourself. Ready? Let's go. Our three contestants are in the gate, and we're going to go away right now first, and our first contestant is Mary Jameson. Mary, how are you today? I'm fine. Thank you, Aloysius. Well, Mary, now, you have ten seconds to name a component of the hoodoo character. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, oh, I, I, dun, 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 dun. I, uh, oh, oh, a top hat. Ding, 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 ding. That's right, Mary. Your hoodoo character has to have a top hat. That's right, because somewhere, somewhere down the line, mostly in comic books and other illustrated media, people who practice hoodoo are shown as wearing top hats, particularly the creepier or more battered, the better. All right, good one. And so far, Mary leads the pack. Let's go to our second contestant. This is John Bigelow. John, how are you? I'm doing okay, Aloysius. I'm doing great today. And uh, I uh, I got my answer right now. Well, all right, John. Okay, let's, uh, let's have it. You're going to have a kind of a... A stupid accent, you know, not like a regular, you don't can't sound like a regular person like me. You got to have, like, kind of a, kind of a stupid accent, you got to say wrong words, and you got to kind of have, like, a creepy laugh in there, like, you got to say something, and then you got to go, ah, 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 like that. But, that's right, John. Thank you, John Bigelow. 
you take home the points on that one. You have to have an odd or creepy accent, and a creepy laugh helps. That's right. Let's go to our third contestant. Uh, now, this is our all-time champion coming back for the third big week with us, and this is Wayne Ricketts. Wayne, how are you? I'm I'm fine, Aloysius. Thank you. Okay. Wayne, this is your chance. You can take it away from all of the, the others now. What is the most important component to having a hoodoo character to be a frontman for your products in hoodoo cosplay? Um, well, Aloysius, I would have to say you have to have an animal name, uh, uh, also with a professional title in front of it. S something, Aloysius, like Surgeon Toad or or, or Dr. Bullweevil. That's right, Wayne. Oh, Wayne has got it. That's absolutely correct. Wayne, you have to have some sort of professional title animal word to have true hoodoo cosplay chops. And so that takes us now at the top of the show here. Uh, Wayne is in the lead again, and so now we're going to go over to our mystery surrogate. And our mystery surrogate is a well-known actor who comes in each week. We do not ever reveal their names, and who will now portray the character composite put together by our contestants. Let's go over. And ladies and gentlemen, he's, he's putting on the top hat. Oh, he's tying some chicken bones to the top hat. Excellent. Excellent. He's tying chicken bones to the top hat. He's now putting on a coat, a very ragged coat full of holes. Yes. And he's now writing out his name, and he's writing it out incorrectly, ladies and gentlemen. He's writing it out with fake illiteracy. And you can tell because he's misspelled the easy words and spelled the hard words correctly. So points for that. And now we're going to turn on his mic. Well, I gotta tell you. Heck yeah. In the woods where I live. We understand things like you educated city folk can't understand with your fast cars and your, your lighting up typing computerized machines. See, down here, we live it. We don't just talk it. We ain't out just make a buck like some of you cityfied queer old sexuals see and you can learn all about it in my new 12 page pamphlet that I'm selling for a love offering of only $59.95 oh wasn't he fantastic ladies and gentlemen let's give him a hand and we will now we will now reveal who our mystery actor was, and ladies and gentlemen, it was in fact Sir John Gielgud. So, points to Sir John. Thank you, thank you. We'll be back next week with Hoodoo Cosplay. See you then! Da -da 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 -da. <laughs>
lynch my ass. And if they would like to know the address, I'll, I'll send it to them and they can come. But please bring your own rope. I do not supply the rope for my own lynchings. That's the problem. The problem is that when we refuse to see the fullness of the history and the culture that either we belong to or we are guests, and I mean fucking guests in, then we start playing at these little fucking games. This is what hoodoo is, and this is what hoodoo isn't. And I'm not talking about people saying, this is my genuine Thor triple strength mojo hand. No, come on, I don't mean bullshit like that. I mean this image that only people who live in swamps and don't have all their teeth and misspell words and do whatever can practice hoodoo. Or we become victims to small cults that allow only one vision of hoodoo. New Orleans hoodoo, Arkansas hoodoo, low country hoodoo, Florida hoodoo, or Baltimore hoodoo, Washington hoodoo, Washington D.C. hoodoo, Chicago hoodoo, any place. This goes to both sides. When we reject nature and we reject the country and we reject the elders and we reject the people that lived on the land, we fall short. And we reject all the people who moved into the urban environments who took up the tools of living in those environments and adapted to it, we lose part of it as well. So from the city to the country and to the country to the city, back and forth and up and down all those roads, if you want to participate in hoodoo, get ready to have your expectations and your idealized dreams and your Hollywood visions shattered if you really want to do it. If you really want to do it, get ready to have your mind blown. Get ready to travel all across this country from sea to shining sea. Get ready to talk to people from every economic class. Get ready to talk to people from every race. Get ready to talk to people from absolutely every religion and every part of the American experience. Get rid of your prejudices. Get rid of your biases. Throw them out the fucking window. And and please, and please, do me a favor. And at any point in time, you want to get involved in hoodoo, and you say, or think, or feel, anything that goes like this, I just don't feel very comfortable around black people. Do me a favor and stay the fuck home. Do me a favor and stay the fuck home. If you ever think, oh, I think I can improve on what these primitive black people do, fucking stay home. But if you're going to walk the walk and you're going to learn, get ready for a long-ass walk. And get ready for a lot of learning. And get ready to have your preconceptions kicked right into the gutter. And whether you're doing it wherever you're doing it, it doesn't matter if you're living for the country or even if you're living for the city. A boy born in hot, that Mississippi, surrounded by for one. 
entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Manali, Sunday, 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner, starring Candela Cambisa, Monday, 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesday, 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesday, 6 to 7, Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Wednesday, 5 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday, 6 to 7.30, and On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand. Saturdays, noon to 3. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at LuckyMojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towelhead, Chief Engineer, here at the LMC Radio Network for that update of our shows each and every week. Or as we like to call him, the Lama of Lamas. Up next, a little segment in our show that I like to call Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. That's right, the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. Tonight, by request from our listeners, we're going to be talking again about pleading the blood of Jesus, although I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure what much more you'll need to know about it after you listen to the Reverend Clay Evans. Anybody know what happened between Palm Sunday and Easter? Wait, 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 wait. wait. Can anybody tell me what, what, what did Jesus do? Did he die? If he hadn't died, where would we be? So he had to shed his blood, right? When the blood of fools fail, the ashes of scapegoats and helpers fail. When nothing else could help, God sent his only son in the likeness of sinful blood. And for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. But the only way we could be redeemed was through his blood. You better touch somebody and tell them all the blood. Save my soul. Now give somebody a hug and tell them nothing but the blood. Or you gotta tell them like you mean to tell them nothing but the blood. Hug them again and say nothing but the blood. Now just lean on them and say it's alright
That was, of course, Reverend Clay Evans. That's right, Reverend Clay Evans, former pastor and founder of Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois, reputed, reputed to be the real-life, the real-life individual that the minister played by James Brown in the Blues Brothers is based off of with, oh, the blood of Jesus. And that leads us in to the scriptural secrets. Uh, Oh, yes, the, the secrets of scriptural sorcery this week. Now I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure what more you need to know about pleading the blood of Jesus that Reverend Evans didn't just tell you. If you were listening to that song, whether you were listening live and you felt the Holy Ghost Spirit move, or whether you're listening later in the archives and the Spirit falls on you, I'm not sure what much more you need to know. But I'm going to try to fill in. Any little gaps, any little gaps that might have gotten missed. Now, pleading the blood of Jesus is a common practice amongst numerous Christian denominations, especially Charismatics and Pentecostals, who will use the terminology, I plead the blood of Jesus. It's often done when praying over someone or some place, something, or some situation that is tormented by demonic or evil spirits, evil influence, a jinx, a curse, etc., in order to release the person, the place, or the item from the control of those forces. In most cases, it is meant to use Christ's delegated authority given to his believers to carry out his work here on earth, to which I will direct you to two pieces of scripture. First, Luke 10:19. Behold, I give you the authority trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Also, John fourteen twelve. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Because of these scriptures, there is felt to be no question amongst those who plead the blood of Jesus about the authority to use Christ's authority to accomplish great things for his kingdom. This is the idea of deputization or delegated authority, and it's certainly scriptural. And it's absolutely within the basis of the theology. However, in terms of what we are discussing here, 
it must be kept in mind that this authority is based on the power of Christ's blood given through his sacrifice on Calvary, just as you heard in the song. The idea that people have been restored to God through Jesus' blood, that they are protected through Jesus' blood, and that they have his authority to enforce his victory on earth. But there's a lot more about this. We were asked come in and talk about this again. Again, we had a, a, a message this week, it wasn't an email, asking us to say a little bit more about this because we have talked about this on the show, but people wanted a little bit more. Now, before we get a little further into it, there has been a soft criticism that has occasionally been bandied around, and I want to address it very quickly, and then I just want to move on. People have said to me, who are you, of all people, as a Jew, to talk about this? Well, I'll tell you who I am as a Jew to talk about this. First of all, this is a part of hoodoo. This is a part of hoodoo, this is a part of conjure, and this is a part of root work. Am I telling you, therefore, that to practice hoodoo, conjure, and root work, you must be a Christian, and that you must in particular be a Protestant Christian, and that you must be a Protestant Christian of the stripe that deals with the things we're talking about? No, that is not what I am saying to you. But what I am saying to you is those very wise words. If you're going to do this, you need to be down with Jesus. You need to be straight with Jesus. All right? That doesn't mean you necessarily have to believe in Jesus as Messiah. I do not believe in Jesus as Messiah. So then people say, how can I then use this power? I'll tell you how, as a Jew. This is my Jewish ancestor. There. There you go. And a lot of you folks talk about using your ancestors, no matter how far back they go. And so that is my position in this as well. I will say to you that just as the Israelites in Exodus 12.22 used hyssop to apply the blood of a lamb to their doorposts to protect them from the angel of death, so do, do individuals... Christian individuals plead the blood of Jesus Christ to turn back and stop the attacks of evil influences, demonic or otherwise. They do this with prayer for the word of testimony talked about in Revelations 12:11, And it is symbolic of the bunch of hyssop, which many of us who practice hoodoo or even acquainted with it know about hyssop, with which the Israelites marked their doorposts, with the Lamb's blood. And as Romans 10.10 tells us, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So to merely know the power of the blood is not sufficient. One must speak aloud of it in action. So at any time that you feel that Darkness, spiritual attack, demonic influence, evil of any kind is coming against you. You can plead the blood of Jesus to protect you or another or a place or a thing. Now, part of when we were asked to revisit this topic was about how to do this. And it was indeed Romans 10.10, 10, Papa Newt. 
how to do this. They wanted more of that. And there is the rub. There is no one formulaic method by which one pleads the blood of Jesus. In fact, the simplest way to plead the blood of Jesus would be to, uh, to merely say, quote, I cannot offer any other plea than what I have offered, and that is Jesus' blood. The problem here is there is no formula for me to give you. There's no set bit of words. Nor would I want to give you a formula and then have you start repeating it. Then somebody else repeats it, somebody else repeats it, and the next thing you know, everybody's just doing it that one way because, oh, Professor Porterfield said, no, man, that's not the way this is done. This comes from the heart. Okay? It can be blended with Scripture. It can be done in a formulaic way if that works for you. But this is ejaculatory. It simply comes out of you. You use whatever words the Holy Spirit, your heart, or your church chain come into you to simply say that you rebuke all spirits of torment and fear through the blood of Jesus. You say, as an example, if you were feeling that there was a demonic source, you would say, Satan, I hold the blood of Jesus against you. I command you to stop in Jesus' name. You can say, the blood of Jesus redeems me if you have accepted it as a redemption. You can say, the blood of Jesus protects me if you have accepted it as a protection. You can plead the blood of Jesus over your home, your life, your family. Amen. If you wish to use it in the same way as the Israelites marked their houses so that the angel of death would pass them by. But what I really encourage you to do is this. And I'm not joking. Go out. You can find it. You can find it on YouTube and other places. It may be in iTunes. Or you can just listen to it again here on the show, later on in the archives. Listen again to Reverend Clay Evans, Oh, the Blood of Jesus. And it will give you some sense of how you can use it. So we have revisited it again, and I hope we've covered it. I hope. I hope we, we filled in those gaps for you. And again, remember, I'm not the hoodoo police. I'm not the hoodoo pope. I'm not here to tell you one way, only way. You got to, you have to. What I am telling you is, this is a part. You cannot sweep it under the dust mat. You cannot push it out the door. It's there. So if you're going to stay, you might as well find some peace with it. I'm a Jew, and I have found peace with it. So can you. Up next, we're going to go in to the kitchen and talk about raccoon penis bones. That's right. We're going to talk about raccoon penis bones. What we are not going to talk about is my pencil. We are not going to talk about my pencil, not one word. At one thing show, I'll pass the wall right no more because the lead's all gone. Oh, the lead's all gone. 
of uh, our own dear Miss Catherine Iron Woodwell. She was out having fantastic fun with trains, and we had Miss Aida on as the guest, a fantastic worker. And during the show, I gave a piece of spell work uh, to a call-in client to the show that involved the use of a raccoon penis pump. And this got a whole bunch of beep, ding, 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 on my computer as everybody wanted to know more about uh, raccoon penis bones. So, all right, we're going to talk about raccoon penis bones. Let's start with the facts. Raccoons do indeed have penis bones. They're not the only ones. In fact, many mammals have penis bones. Seals, uh, whales, walruses, coyotes, uh, lots of different animals have these bones. And uh, the bone is known as an os penis, which is penis bone in Latin. Uh, but there are many other names for a raccoon penis bone. They are commonly known as a love bone, pecker bone, Kundong, possum prick, mountain man's toothpick, of course down here, Texas toothpick, and of course a baculum, which is Latin for little rod. Now, the penis bone of a raccoon is used in a number of different ways. You will often see raccoon penis bones used as a kind of uh, sexual amulet or in love spells. And it is not uncommon to hear of boys uh, giving them to their girlfriends uh, by making a necklace out of them with a red thread or twine. And basically it's just wrapped or strung around uh, the uh, raccoon penis bone, although some people will actually drill a little hole in it if it is of appropriate size. And then this is given to either a already established lover or potential lover. However, there are other ways this can be used. You can also find these used as a gambler's charm and as well as a luck drawer. Now, at some point, the question comes up, oh my, I see that it's already come up. Why a raccoon? Well, that's an interesting question. Raccoons do have a certain level of uh, sexual potency and fertility amongst their own species which may in fact be why they are used for love work or love drawing of a lover or sexual partner. And also, raccoons have a great dexterity and nimbleness of their hands. And this may be why it is associated with gambling luck. And the raccoon is also seen as being... <clears throat> a very wily individual, uh, one who can survive 
uh, both at the boundary between the wild and the urban, but also an individual as a species and an animal who has a certain level of cleverness, of smart, and that it is not very easy to necessarily hunt raccoons unless one has very well-trained dogs, etc., and that the raccoon, therefore, some might term the raccoon as a kind of trickster. I don't like uh, putting all these things in pigeonholes that way. Uh, finally, also, as our own Catherine Irwood just pointed out, uh, the raccoon is considered to be, how do we put this, well hung. He's a, He's got a fairly large bone, given the size of his body, which may indeed help uh, the fact that he is uh, so fertile. So the penis bone is another place where we see, and this is very important, something coming into hoodoo from Native American sources. And that is terribly important, particularly when you consider everything that's been talked about in the show earlier. Again, when you wipe out certain parts, when you only care to engage in certain biases, you lose so much. And so here is an example of this came in to Hoodoo from Native American sources. Now, the full extent of its ritual use by Native Americans isn't known, uh, but ethnography, ethnographical evidence indicates that the sacred bundles of the Pawnee contained a raccoon penis bone, as well as items such as uh, ears of corn, uh, bird skin stuffed with tobacco, and other uh, holy or sacred objects. The bones were ceremonially purified each year by men, and their bundles were then returned to the women who were their custodians. So there's some interesting and tantalizing paths there. But let's talk about it in hoodoo before that kid pops the lollipop out of his mouth and comes over and asks us what it's got to do with hoodoo. You can use a raccoon's penis bone for love work. If a man wishes to gain the love of a woman, he gives her a love bone as a token of his esteem or buries such a bone beneath her doorstep or in her yard. Among married couples, the Spanish bone, as it is also called, is dressed with sexual fluids, then rolled up tightly in a piece cut from the man's unwashed underwear and placed beneath the bed to aid in satisfying their sexual relations. So that's one thing you can do with this. The other is for gambling luck. In gambling luck, you wrap a $20 bill around a raccoon penis bone dressed with Hoyt's cologne and carry it in your pocket while you play. Some people will also wrap a penis bone, a raccoon penis bone in a $10 bill before going out to play cards. Other people have been known to use them or wear them as a watch fob, having a jeweler put a cap on it, and then wearing it with their watch or in their watch pocket. And, of course, many people like to make them into beautiful necklaces, sometimes with silver caps on them, etc. There is an erroneous story that has circulated 
uh, through an individual uh, who I will not name, uh, except to say that the story is absolutely erroneous, that they were given a penis bone uh, as a symbol of their masculine power when they were uh, forced into prostitution, uh, feminized prostitution as a young person, uh, forced transsexual nature. That story uh, turned out to be absolutely false, and uh, I would not continue to follow that path anywhere if I were you. So here we have the penis bone, which apparently I thought everybody had heard about, but apparently a lot of you hadn't. So there it is. I encourage you to go out this week and look up the old raccoon penis bone, the Spanish bone, the love bone. Check it out. Read about it. Check your sources. Go out and buy one. If you haven't got one, take a look at it. Learn a little bit about mammalian biology and how these bones work. Remember, I'm a professor, not a teacher. I am here to profess and to open a door for you to go forward in. So I hope you will walk forward and study hard and learn close about the things we talk about here each and every week. Also this week, I hope you will take a little bit of time to go out and see about what pleading the blood of Jesus means to different people. Not just online, but ask some of your friends as well. If you happen to have, say, a Pentecostal aunt, why don't you ask her? I'm sure she could give you a whole lot to consider on that topic. Thank you so much for being here each and every week with us. We look forward to seeing you next week when we'll be talking about I have no idea. We'll find out then. <laughs> I'd love to sit here and keep going with you folks, but, man, Johnny's gone to sleep. The kid's gone. Miss Loretta's waiting in the wings. She'll have a little tiny announcement at the end of the show, as she does nowadays, and we're so happy to have her here. That's it. I mean, they're turning off the lights. I have to go out and get in the truck soon to go home. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning.
I'm in Surah Wall, and all Greenville, Sealess, Denison, South McAllister, Territory, Muskoka, or Wagner, Austin, Kansas, Kansas City. So dear you, then I changed cars and jumped in Sealess.